I'm Larissa, and I want to help you find the best strategy for communicating the magic and wonder of your jewelry brand so you can thrive by doing what you love and filling the world with beauty and creativity. Welcome to the Joy Joya Jewelry Marketing Podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Larissa Worstiak. On this podcast, I explore topics in digital marketing for jewelry designers and retailers, including branding, content, email, events, social media, and more. This is episode 68, and today I'll be sharing my interview with Owen Capolini, a video marketer with a true passion for authentic storytelling. In July of 2017, he started working with YouTube watch vlogger Teddy Baldassar to help him grow his channel from 13,000 subscribers to 178,000 subscribers. Teddy's videos have amassed 26.6 million views and have been watched for more than 2 million hours. Together with Teddy and his team, Owen has created content for brands like Lufthansa and Vacheron Constantine and collaborated with celebrities like Shark Tank's Kevin O'Leary. In this episode, we focus mostly on Owen's experience with growing Teddy's watch-focused YouTube channel and how jewelry brands can use video marketing in a strategic way. Some other topics include how video can fit into an overall digital marketing strategy, examples of luxury brands that are using video in unique ways, how much a jewelry brand can expect to invest in video marketing, what's involved in a video marketing strategy, including amount of planning and timeline, best practices for sharing and repurposing videos, especially across multiple platforms, ROI expectations and results from video marketing, and more. Before we get to the interview, I wanted to share some marketing-related articles and research from the past week that caught my attention. So personalization in marketing is a super hot topic right now. In fact, I'll be creating some more podcast episodes around this topic soon because I'll be presenting on it at an industry conference in just a few months. However, personalization is also raising some flags with consumers. A recent report from Accenture shows that 66% of consumers are just as concerned about their personal data being used for personalization as they are about their data being compromised by hackers. That's rather alarming. It's up to brands today to continue to build trust so that consumers don't feel like their data is being used in unsavory ways. I saw another article from Search Engine Journal about the difference between content for content's sake and content used strategically for digital marketing purposes. How do you know that your content is actually supporting your marketing efforts? Not only must that content drive leads, but it must also be promoted, work across the marketing funnel, and be able to drive SEO. Is your content just content or is it actually working for you? And finally, another article in Search Engine Land summarized events from SMX West, where experts discussed digital commerce marketing. One of my favorite takeaways was a quote from Dana Tan, who's the senior manager of global SEO for Under Armour. She said, quote, the experience on e-commerce sites is almost all the same. You go to a site, see a grid page. There's nothing remarkably different about that. We talk about elevated experiences a lot. When we go into stores, we're looking for an elevated experience. 
online, we're looking to get in and out. How does that translate to online elevated experiences? End quote. It's a great question to ask. So how can you create more elevated experiences for your customers on your website? Did you know that you can get the links to these articles if you sign up for my weekly email newsletter? When you visit joyjoya.com slash sign up, you'll not only be the first to hear about new episodes, but you'll also get a free copy of our ebook, Proven Conversion Strategies for E-Commerce Jewelry Retailers. All right, now let's jump right into my interview with Owen. How did you first get started with video marketing and why are you so passionate about it? I ultimately learned that I have a passion for storytelling and really trying to tell one that's impactful and like makes people care. So in the last couple of years, I've really transitioned out of those fun videos into, I guess these are still fun, but more making advertisements um, for companies and really trying to incorporate that passion for storytelling in the ads that I make. You explained to me that you were working with Teddy Baldassar, the uh, YouTuber who reviews fancy watches. And um, I was curious, how did you start working with him? And let's start there and then I'll ask you some follow-up questions. Yeah, so I started back in July 2017 when they only had 13,000 subscribers and we didn't even have ads turned on. So it was right in the beginning. And believe it or not, Teddy's not the only owner of like the company. So there's another person who's involved with the YouTube channel and his name is Mike Klum and he owns a video production company out in Cleveland. So he reached out to me asking for my help with editing the videos and just seeing where we can take it. Because when I started... Nobody really knew what to expect or what was going to come. So what strategies did you use to help him grow his YouTube channel if at that point he was just kind of, him and his partner were just starting out? How did you really approach that? And what what actually were some of the goals that you guys wanted to achieve? The first thing that I, I guess my responsibility has always been to try to generate growth, to try to grow the channel and to try to get more subscribers and more followers to actively watch the videos. And to really generate results, you have to look at the trends and to look at the analytics of who you're working with and who's watching your videos. Back in 2016, 2017 on YouTube, all the rave was daily uploading with Casey Neistat uploading vlogs as well as a number of other people. But now we've slowly transitioned out of that with a lot of the vloggers not necessarily doing it daily anymore. And we've seen a more heavy focus on viewer retention and trying to get people to watch through the whole video. So ultimately quality over quantity. So using this information, um, when we started, we were trying to upload three to four videos a week, but now we've scaled back and we only upload, I would say one to two times a week, but we've actually seen an increase in our viewer retention as well as our um, uh, views per video. And the second thing is with back to the analytics and really looking at the data behind the videos. Our average viewer retention is about four minutes and 30 seconds in. So what that means is 4.30 in, people stop watching the video. They click on to the next one. So at that point, I knew I need to put a like and subscribe notification at the bottom of the screen to remind people to like and subscribe before they click out. So while that maybe seems simple, um, just putting a little annotation, we saw an increase in our subscribers as a result of doing that. So it's just simple things like that and understanding the trends and looking to analytics to make a video that does well on YouTube. That's great advice. Actually, on last week's episode, I was talking about um, current YouTube trends and how jewelry brands can kind of 
adjust their approach to video marketing based on those trends. And one of the trends I mentioned was actually quality over quantity. So I thought it was really interesting that you were talking about this shift from daily uploading to the quality over quantity. I'm kind of curious, do you have any guesses about why that's starting to be more important among viewers? Or do you think that that was probably or should have been important the whole time? There's been two main reasons for why there's been this shift in the type of content from quantity over to quality. And the first has to deal with burnout. So when Casey Neistat got done daily vlogging, one of the things that he really emphasized and talked about was how this isn't sustainable. He had made over 700 videos at that point, and he was just tired from doing this every single day. And we ultimately saw that with other YouTubers, for example, like Roman Atwood, he couldn't keep it sustainable. But the Mm -hmm. second has been the change in the algorithm on YouTube. So it's favoring more towards audience retention and trying to keep people active. So um, David Dobrik, who's huge on YouTube right now, he talked about how he keeps his videos around four minutes because he wants people to watch through the whole thing. He never wants someone to click out halfway through. And that's part of the reason his channel is blowing up. It's the understanding the algorithm and making sure people watch through the whole entire video. That's so interesting. Do you happen to know off the top of your head, like when that shift happened, like when YouTube started favoring the uh, viewer retention as opposed to the content production? I'm not sure of a specific date when they switched the algorithm, but I think we've seen this trend over the last couple of years, especially I would say at the end, the beginning to middle of 2017 was when we started to see the phase out of daily vloggers. And we've seen an increase in like longer form content that slowly made its way onto YouTube. And uh, one of the shows that we've seen increase in the last couple of years has been Hot Ones, the show with hot wings and even hotter questions. And that's an example of viewer retention because people are in to watch to the end to see the most intense or the most interesting question. So I don't know necessarily when the algorithm took place, but we've seen a transition over the last couple of years starting in around 2017. So going back to your work with Teddy Baldassar, I watched some of his videos and I was so impressed with how the watches are presented. Personally, I'm not a big watch geek. I don't know a ton about watches but when i was looking at these videos i thought i should probably start getting into it because they look so cool especially the way that they're presented with different textures and close-ups and like lots of unique perspectives and i would love to know how you ensured that the watches were being presented in the best way and what were some strategies you used to maybe attract and interest people who maybe aren't super crazy about watches but maybe curious about them or trying to learn more about a specific type of watch and then reeling them in with that video content. So I can answer this in from two different perspectives. Um, the first is from shooting the watches and actually using your camera to capture footage and then the other end is with editing and bringing that footage into a program and creating the video. So first with shooting, I actually shot all of the um, videos from May until August of last year. And the main thing I learned is that the keys are in the detail and presentation is super important. So to give some examples, um, making sure the dial doesn't have any dust on it or making sure the crown is pushed in or um, the free loop on the strap is by the buckle and not by the bezel. So it's small things like that that really set it apart. And then second comes into editing. So let's say we're editing a video and we start to notice that there's a piece of dust or a couple of the shots. I'll use 
um, different shots so we don't have to showcase that piece of dust or I'll punch in so it's not shown on screen. So it's small things like that that really sets the presentation apart, apart and brands start to take notice. For example, Last summer, we did a video for Nomos, and they had some specific points about how to do the titles or making sure the watch is displayed the best to try to get people to understand the quality that we're presenting in this video. What did you personally have to learn about jewelry slash watch video marketing to kind of optimize your experience with Teddy? I mean, because watches are a very niche specific product. And as you mentioned, you have to focus so much on details. And it sounds like you're now very well versed in like watch terminology, just the way you were talking about them. So what kind of learning curve did that involve for you to start working with him? Believe it or not, when I started working for the YouTube channel, I didn't really know much about watches. I just knew <laughs> Rolex and I was like, yeah, that's pretty much it on the market, but that's not the case. So I started with a pretty layman's understanding and have worked my way up from there. Like I said earlier, the true key to this is the attention is in the details. So from a literal perspective, a lot of people on the YouTube videos love the really, really tight macro shots where you might only see a subdial or you might only see one specific hand because you don't find pictures like that on the watch retailer's website. Mm. You have to see it in a video or you have to see it holding it in your hand. Mm -hmm. And if you're just taking a general picture of, the, of your watch on your wrist, you oftentimes don't get in that close. So people want to see the details of the watch. That's a really great observation and how the video is allowing the watch to shine in a new way that maybe consumers aren't seeing through other media like social media or website or maybe catalog depending on how they're you know shopping for their watches did teddy already know these preferences about his viewers the fact that they wanted to see these types of shots or were these things that you guys experimented with together or figured out along the way as you were getting feedback from people so it's been really a combination of both. Teddy, before he even started the YouTube channel, was already a watch enthusiast. And just from a viewer's perspective, he knew what he wanted to see on YouTube that wasn't necessarily already being talked about. So that's kind of how we found that niche and why people started subscribing. But second, we started reading the comments and seeing what people wanted to see. So if you go back, I guess you can see the trend with our YouTube videos and how the production quality has jumped up and seeing how the comments have influenced that. So part of the reason that we found that the proper presentation is key and it's all about the details is people are commenting, I love these detail shots. I want to see more. So it's things like that that um, has led to the channel doing well. I think it's amazing that you guys were able to leverage consumer feedback or viewer feedback to get, you know, the type of shots that they were really looking for. And I really feel like one of the benefits of a platform like YouTube or really any social media platform is getting that immediate customer feedback and brands would be foolish, you know, not to pay attention to that because that's how you, how the brand will improve and continue offering content that satisfies the customer's needs. Yeah, I would like to say though, is that YouTube comments can be either really great or not so great. <laughs> yeah. People are very quick to express their opinions, even if they're clearly wrong. So with every comment, we have to take it with a grain of salt and decide like, okay, is this actually a good piece of input or is someone just trying to make a comment just to make fun of someone? That's such a good side note. <laughs> good thing to be aware of, definitely. So kind of shifting to a more, uh, more general thoughts, why do you think that jewelry brands in particular should take advantage 
of video marketing? What are the benefits? I mean, just on a general level, in my opinion, video is the future when it comes to marketing. So much of our day we spend on our phones, scrolling through social media, looking at our friends' Facebook posts or Instagram posts. It truly is the best avenue to reach all the different audiences. And then second, when you compare video to photos or even print, video is the most immersive and the most dynamic in generating an emotional response. So let's be honest here. Nobody needs a new watch. You can spend $10 on a digital one from Walmart. But at the end of the day, people buy this because it makes them feel confident and it makes them feel good while wearing it. So it's all about that emotional aspect and trying to get that emotional response. And video is the best to do that. And to give a stat behind that, according to Forbes, people share video 1200% more than text and images combined, showcasing that video has the best emotional response because it's so immersive and dynamic. Yeah, I think I shared that same exact stat to two episodes ago because I thought that was so amazing. And it really speaks to the power of video and how um, it can be more effective than other types of posts. So I do agree with you there. In what ways do you think that video can fit into an overall digital marketing strategy? So if a brand is already using other platforms like Instagram, Facebook, if they're already doing email marketing, if they're already doing other forms of content marketing and, and all of the different ways that a person can engage in digital marketing, how does video fit into that? So video can fit into a bunch of different avenues when it comes to developing a marketing strategy. So let's look at this first on like websites and trying to generate traffic towards the websites. So Dream Grow reports that websites with video are 53 times more likely to show up first on Google. So by incorporating video, you have a higher chance of ranking better on Google. So once you get higher, people then click onto the website. Once they're on the website, as a result of having video, the retention increases. On average, people spend 2.6 times more time on pages with video. And once they're on the website, scrolling through your page, spending time looking at the product offering, that's where the conversion comes in. According to iView Digital, there's an 80% increase in conversion rates, meaning video helps with finding the website, keeping people on the website, and then generating sales. But it doesn't just end with websites. There's a number of different avenues, like you had mentioned with social media, where you can develop sponsored posts. Um, according to HubSpot, 53% of people want to see more video from marketers. But that being said, I want to make something clear, and that is this might seem a little counterintuitive, but I don't think everything should be an ad. Instead, people have to follow the 80-20 rule when it comes to social media. So what that means is that 80% of the content that you post on social media needs to be interesting and that people enjoy and want to share. It's just enjoyable content. While the other 20% of the um, content can still be enjoyable, but it's more targeted towards advertisement and trying to convert people to sales. So you have to keep that fine balance to generate the best results. That's great. I never mentioned the 80-20 rule before on this podcast, and I feel like that's something I should explore further because it is a really good guideline for brands that maybe feel confused about how much should be more like a hard sell versus just like an engagement when it comes to social media. Do you think that video is better suited for one or the other, or can it really meet both needs? It really depends on what the company is looking for. So you have to analyze the audience and the objectives to try to decide what's the best route to take. So for example, um, Instagram, 
um, from ages 18 to 24 has that demographic on lockdown. A lot of people in that age demographic are on Instagram. But from like 50 to let's say 65, there's not nearly as many people on Instagram. They're all on Facebook. So when it comes to developing videos, you have to look at the audience and who you're targeting to decide what the best route is to take and where you should angle it or make it most focused on. Can you provide any concrete examples of how a jewelry brand can start leveraging video marketing? Yeah, totally. So um, one example uh, is Prada. I love their Instagram and some of the recent campaigns that they've been doing. So if you scroll through the Prada's Instagram, you'll find these videos where they use Prada as an acronym to say what the brand stands for, which is super powerful. But it also combats this idea that people think when they make a video, it has to be really complex to get results. So people, whenever I say, oh, I make video advertisements, they immediately say, oh my gosh, you write scripts, you hire actors, you find sets, and you do all this work, which is true. That is a video advertisement. But in a lot of ways, it's much simpler and it can be much more utilized or focused on a specific platform. Um, another example of someone that, or I guess a company that I really admire is Zimmerman's on Instagram. They not only use motion to add another layer to showcasing their outfits, but recently they posted an interview with their creative director right before their collection show to try to generate hype and generate buzz around the event. And it adds another layer of um, understanding for the audience and it adds a layer of transparency because now they can see and they feel like they know the creative director after they watch this video on YouTube or on Instagram. So there's some examples of fashion brands utilizing video on social media really well. Those are great examples. Kind of at the beginning of your answer, you mentioned that a lot of brands have a misconception about video ads and they often think it requires, you know, writing a whole script, finding a set, finding actors, but that it doesn't necessarily have to do those things. So in my mind, immediately I'm thinking, well, those things can cost a lot of money and can you know, make a budget for video marketing very large. But if you don't necessarily need those things to move forward with a video piece, would that also mean that you can do videos in a more cost-effective way? And how much would you say a jewelry brand can typically expect to invest in video marketing? Absolutely. I agree that doing this tactic like Prada does on their Instagram decreases the cost because when you have a one-shot video, you can shoot a bunch of them in one day. So you have a whole stockpile of assets that you can utilize on Instagram in your schedule of when you're posting, which makes things super effective. But at the end of the day, for price, it really depends on what you're looking to accomplish and the platform that you're looking to target. So for example, um, let's look at the prices for making sponsored posts for say on social media. On Facebook, you can, you'll spend $5 a day for clicks, likes, or views. Same for Instagram. But on YouTube, it's $10 a day. And they have different tiers on how, you want to, how much money you want to spend. So it really depends on the strategy the brand is looking to incorporate and the type of videos that they're looking to make. Would you say this is something that a brand can pursue on their own without the help of a video professional? Or do you think it's better to work with someone that has expertise in the medium? Whenever I make advertisements for companies, I love when they give input and say what they want and what they don't want. I think that they can ultimately do it themselves, but the problem comes if they're trying to make videos that they know are going to perform well on Instagram and YouTube, because you have to have that background and understanding to know what's going to perform well. 
and you have to analyze the market. So a brand might be um, super excited to make videos and I would implore them to do so, but you have to also look around at the surrounding, understand the website that you're going to be posting on and look at what your competition is doing and seeing some good ideas that you can incorporate into your own plans. So you have, I guess, in short, you have to have that understanding to get the best results. That makes a lot of sense. So if a brand were to start a video marketing strategy from scratch, and of course, I recommend a strategy because you don't want to just move forward, like you said, without really understanding your audience and your needs. What does a strategy like that entail? How much planning is involved? And what are all the moving parts of that strategy? So when I work with a company to develop a video or a video advertisement, I like to take them on a five-step process. So I'll start with a kickoff call and that'll where we can plan out the audience, the objectives, and get an understanding of what the brand's even looking for. Once we get all that information, come back and we'll develop a proposal. So that way it's more of a fleshed out idea and everyone can be on the same page. Once that gets cleared, we move into pre-production. This is when we start to refine some of the details. Um, we'll figure out a date that we're actually shooting. We'll find actors or models if we need them, things like that. Then we'll move into the fourth step, which is production. And that's where we get to film. Uh, busting out the camera and lights camera action is where that all takes place. And then the last step is post-production. And this is where it comes into editing. And this is where the video truly comes to life and where People can see the final product once that's all done. As for planning, I like to focus on the audience and the objectives and looking at the analytics of the consumers. As I said earlier with YouTube, it's super important to understand the analytics and making the videos cater towards your audience. And it shouldn't just end there. It should be extended throughout your whole plan. And at the end of the day, that's what's going to make the biggest difference. And that's what's going to make the best videos. You mentioned YouTube analytics, but that also you should kind of extend that analyzing data throughout all the touch points that you're using. So what are maybe some other types of analytics that you would be looking for to ensure that your video marketing efforts are working as you want them to? It would start with the brand and what they're looking to post on. So for example, I don't want to say one thing and then cast a wide net and say everyone should be following that. Instead, it would be much more focused on the brand. So for example, let's say someone reaches out to me and they say, hey, I wanna make a video on Instagram. I would ask if they have any market research for their consumers, or even just look at the analytics on Instagram and seeing their demographic and seeing the times that would best be posted and things like that to making sure the video does well. So it can be simple as just looking at the stats on the app that you're looking to post it for the brand. That makes a lot of sense. So I don't think you mentioned how long does that whole planning and production process take typically? The length of the process really depends on the scale and the organization that I'm working with. If there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, it's obviously going to take longer. If it's a big project, it's going to take a lot longer. Just to give a general approximation, I would say it takes about three weeks. So week one would be catered towards planning and pre-production and refining the script and the storyboard. And then we would spend a week shooting, or I guess one day, and then we would spend the next week really refining that the footage and creating the video in post-production. 
So I would say approximately three weeks on the short end, but it really depends on the organization and the scale of the production. What are some of the best practices for sharing videos once they're all ready to go? And how can video also be repurposed and reused across multiple platforms to get the most mileage from it? Some of the best practices that I've seen when it comes to video and utilizing it is um, back to Prada with that explainer video or just using videos on websites to explain the product and the brand. So trying to add a layer of clarity and a layer of transparency for the brand. Another good practice that you could use with video is to promote a new product and to try to generate hype around it. Here's an example, not necessarily catered towards jewelry, but it still applies. Samsung recently released their Galaxy S20 phone. And on the day of their announcement or their launch, they had a bunch of YouTubers posting videos about this new phone on the day that it launched meaning they utilized videos to incorporate or to utilize videos to generate hype around this new product that they wouldn't have necessarily had otherwise. And the second is comes with reusing videos across multiple platforms. I would say you can reuse video as long as it's targeted and relevant. You have to make sure the videos are always targeted towards the correct audience rather than casting a wide net, because if you cast a wide net, you're not going to have good results. So to make sure this works well, as we had just said earlier, if you're shooting just a one-shot ad, that takes a lot less time. So what you can do is you can shoot a bunch of them at once to decrease the price of the production and cater them towards this specific, the specific audience that you're looking to sell to. That makes a lot of sense. So in terms of ROI, people always ask me about that. It's their favorite question. What do you think jewelry brands can expect from video marketing? As a result of using video in marketing plans, your ROI is absolutely going to increase, especially when you target that right audience. In addition, it's going to increase trust on the brand because using video, it humanizes the brand and it gives it a face. Like I was talking about earlier with that creative director on the Instagram page, help humanize and give a face to the brand. But also, as I said earlier, videos are shared 12 times more than photos since they're more dynamic. So when you compare video to the other avenues that has the best share rate, because they're so dynamic and that leads to the best return on investment. Is there anything else that you'd like to share about video marketing that we haven't covered so far? One thing that I learned when working with Teddy is I didn't quite realize how much power influencers had until I started working with them. And it makes a lot of sense. People watch these content creators every day or almost every day or every couple days and they feel like they get to know them and they're seen as a trusted figure who have done the research on a topic. So. When an influencer says, hey, I think everyone should buy product X, the audience then supports that because they feel like they're a friend with this content creator and they feel like the content creator has already done the research. So these influencers have a lot of power and I didn't realize that until I'd started working with one. That's a really great point. And we've talked a lot about influencer marketing on this podcast. So it's kind of nice to hear someone from the video side of things really affirm the fact that they do have a lot of power and how they're really dominating that particular medium. So this has been such an insightful and informative interview. And I'm so glad that you were able to chat with us about video marketing. And um, thank you so much for your time. Tell us, Owen, how can our listeners find you if they do want to work with you? Yeah, so you guys can all check out my website. It's owencap.com. That is O-W-E-N-C-A-P-P. -P. 
owencap.com. And if you want to send me an email, it's just owen at owencap.com, which you'll find on the website. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. It was, it was fun being on your podcast. It was fun. It was such a pleasure to be able to talk to Owen and hear more about what he had to say, not only about the current state of video marketing, but also about how jewelry brands can use it effectively in a comprehensive digital marketing strategy. Be sure to visit his website, owencap.com, O-W-E-N-C-A-P-P.com to check out his portfolio and follow him on Instagram at owencap. I look forward to sharing more interviews with you. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information about marketing services for your jewelry brand, visit joyjoya.com where you can download our free ebook, Proven Conversion Strategies for E-Commerce Jewelry Retailers.